Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Mike Silva Show. Welcome to the Mike Silva Show. Rockets, news, updates with uh, the team. Of course, everybody's probably heard Kevin McHale got let go today. So I decided I had to call Buddy Allen. Uh, You know, he's a season ticket holder. I know you watch the Rockets probably as closely as anybody I know, period. So I figure you're going to have as good of a pulse on the team as anybody else. Dude, what happened? I don't even know, man. Uh, to be honest, I slept in the day. I woke up to the news. Uh, I was confused. I mean, I've been frustrated, obviously, since the season began. But uh, I just, I just don't think Mikhail was the problem. Uh, I know that everybody's always had the same kind of cliche complaints about him. You know, he's not an X or the nose guy. You can't drop a play runs a loose offense, and that might all be true, you know. You know, maybe he's not the best guy to drop an inbounds play when we need a point or a bucket here, you know, against the Spurs or the Clippers in a playoff series or whatever. But the fact was, you know, this is a guy I think could have been coach of the year last season. I mean, we fielded the most different starting lineups of any team in the league. Look at the injuries, look at all the roster turnover, and, you know, we just kept going. And to me, he's, he was such a player's coach that I I thought that the guys loved him. I thought, you know, he was never really in guys' faces. And maybe that was a problem, but he was just so even healed, like in every post game conference. You know, he'd identify what the problem was and just kind of, you know, but he always felt like he just kind of, I thought he was perfect for our team. The way that, you know, we have a lot of talent and I think big personalities on this roster. And just to have somebody that's kind of even killed, but somebody that's kind of been through the wars, the Celtics in the 80s and everything, that I thought the guys respected him. And uh, as much as I love Harden, I, I, part of me feels like we're, you know, it's a case of kind of letting the, the for lack of a better term, the inmates run the prison. Like, yeah. you know, you got these guys. It, it's, it's, it's obviously lack of effort, and I don't care who you put on the sideline. If you make a bucket and you're complaining to refs, so you're just out of shape because you haven't touched a basketball somewhere and guys are running back and scoring easy buckets and transition on you. I mean, that's just basic basketball. And, and I think, uh, I just think that that uh, I'm really just kind of disappointed in Harden. Uh, I think uh, I think the players should be embarrassed at their lack of effort. And you know, they're these are professional basketball players, and we're not a ridiculously young squad like we've been before. These are professionals, and and just uh, it was just ugly basketball. And no coach is, is you know when you lose like 20 points four games in a row, and you blow a 20 point lead in the Heat. And then, you know, you have a tweet point and you end up losing by 20. That's, you know, I think that's on the guys. Well, a couple things kind of surprised me. One, there really didn't seem to be any kind of narrative that he was even on the hot seat. So I was surprised with, I guess, the quickness of the move. Part of me, I understand, considering we're in the West and there's a very slim margin of error. I mean, you're looking at a conference that's maybe 10 teams deep. You know, as you know, fighting for playoff spots, so I can understand the sense of urgency. You know, from us dropping four in a row and being very sporadic. But I, I don't know. I will say, throughout his tenure as our coach, I, I've thought of him as an average coach. Um, it kind of speaks to my theory of, I guess, coaching in general. Players that become coaches, I feel like average players turn into very good coaches because they're able to identify the little things that can really bring out the best in people. You know, look at Jim Harbaugh or, you know, just if you're looking at modern coaches. And then you look at the coaches on the flip side that are some of the best ever to play the game and how horrible of a coach they've become. Like Mike Singletary in the NFL, you know, things like that. Look at Rick Carlisle. I mean, he was decent, you know, in the league and he's turned into one of the best coaches in the league. 
Then you look at McHale, that's kind of the same situation. Not that I think he's – I don't think he's been a terrible coach, but I, I really don't know, like you said, I mean, some of the effort issues. Do you think a different coach would make a difference? I think maybe a little bit, but you don't think so at all, huh? I mean, so this is the thing. I don't think that there's a history of our players giving a lack of effort under McHale. I don't, I don't feel like that was a problem throughout the season last year or before. And if you look at the numbers, this is a guy who, he increased our winning percentage every single season since he took over in 2011-2012. The team got better every single year. Obviously, you had James Harden. Obviously, you're building a better team. But, I mean, you still got to give the guy some kind of credit for that. Uh, you know, this is guy, I mean, if your team's getting better every single year, and then you're in the West Finals, you know, with 60% of your starting five, you know, you're down PBEV, you're down Demo, you still take the Warriors the, what, six games? I mean... I don't know. I just don't see the, we're 11 games in, uh, you know, if we had ended the season in a bad way, we're 11 games in, and it's so bad, okay, that's one thing, but, you know, we were as high as we've ever been last last year, and, and I know that, you know, we're obviously nowhere near expectations this year, but I just don't think 11 games is, is uh, should undo, you know, four seasons of of uh, significant improvement and taking big steps uh, despite, you know, having one of the most turbulent roster situations in the league. Another thing that stands out to me is, you know, there really aren't any alternatives. Who are we going to take on? I mean, bigger staff? I mean, exactly. That, that's, that's an understated thing here you you know you've got people like byron scott that are employed by prestigious <laughs> yeah. franchises like the lakers and you know it's pretty slim pickings i don't really see any alternatives out there i mean i know some people have kind of flirted with the idea of you know thibodeau but he's the kind of player that would or he's the kind of coach that wouldn't work well with our players at all and i mean it speaks to some of the characters that we have i don't think Thibodeau would work well with Harden because he, you know, demands a certain level of effort. And, you know, Harden plays what's been coined as Harden defense. You know, and another thing is he's driven, you know, Rose and players that have been kind of burnt out to play beyond their, uh, I guess, physical capabilities. And you got somebody like Dwight that needs rest every now and then because of a number of different injuries. I don't think Thibodeau would be a, a viable fit at all, as good of a coach as he is, just based on the personalities that we have here. Right. And, you know, throughout this whole thing, I mean, throughout these last couple of years especially, I've just been in almost amazement at Daryl Morey and what he's been able to do. And one thing I like about our organization is unlike a Dallas, where you have a Mark Cuban that's going to micromanage everything, I really feel like, you know, Maury might have felt like this coach had lost the locker room and he felt like it was a professional to do and he should have let signed off on it. But, you know, it's the manager makes the move. But um, I think there's a couple myths about this Rockets team and Mikhail that need to be debunked. First of all, this idea that we just don't play defense or – you know, McKillen pushes guys to play defense or Harden just plays, you know, this sort of ghost, this ghost on defense. I know in 2013, Harden was uh, one of the harder players to watch on defense as a Rockets fan. Right. Uh, but the next year, he became an elite defender. And you could say 2013, okay, he's lazy or maybe he's tired of carrying the weight on offense, but the Rockets? were 10th in defensive efficiency in the league last year and 4th in the West. So, I mean, like, the numbers don't lie. And I just I just don't really get... I, yeah, yeah, I'm panicking. The team's panicking. It's easy to point fingers. But if you have to substantiate why you did this and who exactly you think you're going to get to improve these little things and, like, what exactly are... You know, I understand, okay, what's a coach's job if not to motivate players, right? 
Right. And, and there's something to be said for that, but, like, there's, there's motivation, like, you know, let's, let's, you know, with the fourth quarter, let's do this, let's do that. And then there's motivation, like, you know, I've had these games, and it's like, you look up, and all of a sudden, guys are going on eight, ten-point runs because Terrence Jones makes a basket and just doesn't run back on defense. Right. Or Harden just doesn't run back on defense. I mean, you don't need, you know, Phil Jackson to tell you to do your job and physically run and stay between your, your right. you know, your man in the basket. Uh, so I'm just confused. I'm frustrated. Um, but, you know... Trusting Maury, hopefully they know what they're doing. Yeah, that definitely was, you know, kind of going back. That definitely was an understated uh, storyline from this past year. Was Harden's defense actually did flip flop, but nobody seemed to notice that. One thing that stands out to me too is, you know, they just reported on them having a very productive players only meeting. So you know, this had to have been discussed, but I want to know what they talked about. Part of me feels like it's, I was excited when I read that last night, and I'm like, oh, okay, cool, you know, maybe it's, you know, the guys are going to buy into it, you know, because I thought, you know, I, I knew the problem was just lack of effort, and I thought, okay, maybe they're going to buy into it, they're going to fix it, but then it's like, ooh, it's like, it's like you have, it's like you have a talk with your girlfriend or something, and you think you're going to fix the major issue in your relationship, and then stuff just goes totally the wrong way. It's like, no, this is not the solution we were looking for. Like, I really don't think that... I don't know, man. I just think that they came out, and I think Harden doesn't want to admit that. Like, if you look at the guy, he is physically not the same player he was last year. This is a guy that, you know, last year I was... I thought should have gotten MVP over Steph Curry, and that's debatable, especially now. But, you know, Steph got better. Harden, you can tell... Like, he put on pounds, not the right way. He's he's getting beat on defense, not be, for lack of effort sometimes, but simply because he just can't stay with his man. I mean, he's missing shots. It's, it's, you know, he's not the same player. And, you know, I just... That combined with Lawson. Lawson has the tools we needed, I think, to upgrade at that spot. And I was excited when we got him, but, you know, there's something to be said for a guy that comes in with, what, two or three DUIs in a year. Yeah. You know, you know you've seen the video of uh, Harden and Lawson the night before the Halloween game in Miami, yeah. the club in Miami, like, literally dancing well, that, bottles, like, 14 <laughs> hours before the game. That's, that's the like, thing about uh, Harden. I mean, uh, you understand with a situation like Lawson coming in, he needs to be around the right kind of people. And Harden is the leader of the team, you know. So it's on him to make sure that Lawson doesn't get caught up in these situations. Exactly. And he's encouraging it. You know, the funny thing is I have a friend that actually went out, I want to say it was maybe a week or two before Halloween, and he went to a strip club, and he took a selfie of himself, and Harden's in the background. And it's funny because of the timing. He caught it right when he's taking the picture. Harden catches him taking the picture. And so he's staring right at the camera, and I'm like, this is the star of our team? Are you kidding me? You know, and, and the the problem is, I feel like this is the same situation we had with McGrady. Now, McGrady might go down as one of the best talents that, you know, the NBA has ever seen, but I honestly don't know if he was ever a true number one, and I'm starting to think the same about Harden. I'm wondering if he is just maybe the best number two option in the league, but he can't, I don't know if you can win a championship with him being your best player. I, how? Do, what do you feel about that? Well, well, to me, it's like, you know, no coach is going to manufacture leadership on the court. You know what I mean? They can do whatever they want, draw up whatever plays they want, do whatever they want to do in practice, say all the right things, but as soon as the players step on the court, it's on them. You still got to have leadership from the top as far as your leader on the court. And to me, it's like it's like you have a Kobe or a Jordan that doesn't love the game. Yeah. You know, like, you got all the talent, right? You know, he's, like, the dude, the dude we practically got to the West Finals just on the dude showing up and playing playground ball. Yeah. I mean, the dude, he's that skilled offensively. 
He can get to the line. I mean, he can, you know, when he's in the zone and he wants to, you know, we are, the sky's the limit. But it, it's it's almost, you know, like, it's, it's like a guy that knows he's really good at something. That's his job. He shows up. But he doesn't love it, you know. I think he's like, he got caught up in the, it's like he took a victory lap after this season. Yeah. Like he won the MVP and he right. won the championship. You know, instead of being in the gym where Steph was, he's out with Chloe, you know, he's putting on weight. Chipotle. Like, my friends are taking pictures with him in Vegas. Like, I mean, this guy, like, what did the guy do all season? Like, he didn't touch a ball. And I think it's, it's showing now. And uh, I think that, you know, instead of kind of owning up to that and maybe admitting that, you know, I mean, he didn't have to admit to anything or come out or see anything. We could have just rode with it. I mean, he's playing himself back into shape. I think it's pretty apparent that, you know, the team is just taking longer to gel and, and get get back into uh, last season's form than anybody thought it would. But I don't think that it's necessitated to change. Not you, quite yet, anyway. You know what I think the best format is, and we saw this in 09 with that Magic team with Dwight. You know, I, I still think if you have a dominant low post presence, you can dominate the league. I mean, we saw the Lakers did it whenever they had their their run there a couple years ago. We saw, you know, the Mavericks kind of shut down the, the heat in the championship they won because they had Chandler kind of keeping everybody out of the paint. Years before that, and I know the game has changed, but I don't understand why don't why we don't work more outside or inside out, you know. And the thing that's missing too that we don't have is that that flex four. And I know that's something that you know we've struggled with, and we've had a lot of turnover there with those three four hybrids. But we really never identified that four that can stretch the court and knock down threes. And I guess you know Josh Smith started doing that at the end of the year and in the playoffs, which was totally out of the blue but we really haven't identified a player that kind of fits that need so i mean do we have the right personnel for what we're trying to do all right well two things to that point first of all uh before and lawson got here maybe now even with lawson the way he's looking the not a smart unit second best guy on the team after Harden, it getting his own shot he's got footwork in the post like tricking hakeem elijah on or something and he can shoot the three. Demo, I think, can be the guy when he's healthy. He hasn't been here this season, and he wasn't there in the playoffs last year, which I think, you know, you've got to take into consideration when you evaluate our performance. Secondly, yeah, it would be nice to play inside out through a dominant big man, but our dominant big man literally only appeared in 41 games last season. Like, Dwight Howard, dominant big man, great, but we need you for more than half the time, if if, if that's the type of team you want to be. So because of that, you know, you do need Harden to be the number one, to be the guy, and uh, I know he's young, and maybe he'll go into it, but he doesn't seem to, you know, at least right now, as a frustrated Rockets season ticket holder, he's not the vocal leader, and... uh, you know, lead by example, effort-wise, you know, don't, don't be out, you know, in the tabloids, don't, you know, be in the gym, you know. It's funny you know, you bring I, up. I, it's a dog on Steph Curry, you know, and, and I love Harden, he had the style point, you know, but yeah. it's like, you know, you could, you could take a note from Steph, I think, as far as work ethic. Yeah. And, uh, just kind of general. It's funny you bring up Demo because I, I think he is one of the more forgotten people on the roster, and his presence definitely was missed last year. What I didn't understand is why we didn't use him two years ago. When we lost to the Blazers, you know, Aldridge killed us. He tore us up in the paint. You know, the logical solution for me, at least, would be putting Demo in to try to at least bring Aldridge away from the, the rim a little bit so that we're not getting dominated on board so much. And I thought that was one of the big failures that McHale had, at least that season, was not giving Demo, Demo more minutes, especially when Aldridge was killing us down low on the on the you know defensive boards. True, true. And, you know, like, I want to be positive, and, you know, we'll see. Like, my one big knock on McHale has been, like, you know, let's get some of these guys in the rotation. I think KJ McDaniel should be seeing more minutes. Yeah. I think 
well, it's hard, you know, when Beverly's getting arrested for easy tag violations, but <laughs> I think in our guard spots, we're too, uh, we're too quick to change sometimes and then not quick enough sometimes. Uh, Montrez Harrell, it took him about six games too long to start getting significant playing time. Uh, Terrence Jones, another guy that, you know, is, is immensely frustrating uh, based on the tools that he seems to have available. You know, just, I mean, the guy, the guy played point guard in high school. He, he's got crazy handles. He can shoot the three. He's got the strength to play inside. And sometimes it's like he's out there and he's got like ADD. It's like, it's yeah. like what are you doing, dude? He like looks like that kid. And, he looks like know, that kid that never quite. understand like what, you know, so. He looks like that kid that never quite grew into his body, that doesn't really have control <laughs> of his limbs yet. But, uh. Yeah, one guy I am excited about is Clint Capello, though. I got him yes. on my dynasty team. I think she's got, uh. I think he's gonna be a big presence in the league. Oh, no, he's been, he's been really good. That. But, uh. I'm pulling in the parking lot right now, man. I will see you on Saturday. And, uh, hopefully our guys can bounce back. Yeah, I know you're at the game now, so give me some kind of an idea later on about the pulse, uh, you know, how things are going. One thing, closing note, I will say the one thing that Mikhail really did well was last year whenever he, you know, benched Harden when we came back and won that big game against the Clippers. That took balls. So hopefully we have another right. coach that could do that same thing. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, I just – Exactly, you know, it's just, I just don't really, I feel like the guy, you know, he may be not, he's not the flashiest coach, and he's not, you know, the most vocal coach, and he's not some X's and O's wizard, but I think he, you know, he, we were in the West Final, you know, with mm-hmm. 60% of our starting lineup, basically, you know, with all the injuries and everything, we were there, and he did make some big crucial moves like that, you know, when it seems like we needed to, and, and he had the balls to do it, and, and I just wish he would have had more of a uh, a longer leash this year, but I guess we'll see. All right, man, I know you're actually pulling up to the game now, so I'll catch up with you later, but yeah, definitely let me know about the pulse of the team and what you think about you know your, your takeaways from the end of the game. Definitely, will do. Have a good night, man. All right, later. All right, we're going to give my friend Armani a call, talk a little bit about Texans and the NFL. Houston Sports is what up. The Rockets let go McHale. Now we're talking football time in Houston. Figured why don't I talk football with my buddy Armani. Kind of, I was surprised and not surprised. Yeah, it was kind of it was surprising how quickly it happened without any kind of notice, but I wasn't really surprised because I guess the you know production on the court didn't really quite match. But I don't know. We'll see. Definitely some bright spots in the future for the team from a talent standpoint. But hey, now we're here to talk about the Texans. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> all right, cool. But uh. All right, so you saw the game on Monday. What did you think? Um, well, watching the game on Monday, I saw something that from the Texans that I haven't seen in a long time. It's like they they actually had confidence that they were going to actually win the game, that they could win the game. And, you know, they didn't make that usual Texans bonehead play that cost them the game. It definitely did seem like they came out a little bit more fired up. They definitely had the right attitude, you know, a little bit more swagger. I mean, they don't really have anything to lose, but they have a lot to gain as well. So, I mean, kind of, everybody counted them out. So, you know, they use that probably extra motivation. And I'm kind of glad Tariq wasn't even playing because I feel like he would have ditched, made a play that would have cost us a lot of penalties. Even though Kevin... Johnson had a lot of penalties, but 
don't know. It's just something about him. I like him. He's scrappy, you know? Yeah. Well, I will say, like, he, he started out the game pretty poorly, uh, but he picked up in the second half. I mean, obviously Gruden gave, it, gave him some recognition for that, but he really stepped up at the end there and played hard. You know, I know that the games early in the season, he's shown some signs. He, Of course, you're going to have to deal with some of the headaches that comes with a rookie in an inexperienced corner, but he's definitely shown a lot of signs that I'm pretty excited about from that cornerback position. Yeah, and I noticed uh, we're playing a lot better without Raheem. Yeah. Well, who could forget that bomb that Flacco threw against him uh, back in 2013? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that was him. Yeah. That was him that totally misjudged that fly ball right to Jacoby Jones. But Yeah, uh, man. It, it like terrible ball skills. Yeah. I mean... You know, people are down on Kareem. He's one of those up and down players. Uh, I don't. I don't even know anymore, man. I mean, at this point, he's done enough to be our best corner, which is kind of sad to say. But I mean, our secondary just needs to. We we need a better secondary. Well, you know what I think. I think they should just move Kareem inside full inside full time. I think he's better as a he's a better nickelback than playing on the right side. Yeah, I can see that. I mean, he's he's got that physicality, but he's also not the biggest guy. Um, he's scrappy. I can see that. Kind of like a Scandrick for Dallas or something. Yeah, exactly. You know, I mean, if I was if I was the coach, if I had that defense, I'd be mixing them around. Like, all right, Clowney, he's the outside, but. Put him at end. Put him at end with Merciless right next to him as the outside beating. And then Watt on the other side with Wilfork in the middle. Can you imagine? Jeez. You know, the funny thing is, the theme today seems to be about coaching. At some point, Romeo Cornell has to be held accountable. I don't understand how this guy gets a pass every week. And we give up 40-plus to Miami and Atlanta, who are two of the more suspect teams in the league. I mean, even though Atlanta's 6-3, and three, I'm not a buyer at all. At, at I mean, some point... Yeah, but I mean, that didn't really work out so well with, uh, you know, Charlie Weiss or, you know, McDaniels. I mean, even though McDaniels is really thriving again with the Patriots, but I don't know. It's like that Belichick, that Belichick coaching tree just kind of falls flat. I mean, but Cornell gets a pass, really, and I don't understand why, where where he gets the pass from. I don't know. Maybe, I think, honestly, I think that the Texans, they don't have the personnel in the building to run what they want to run. Like, on defense, I feel like they got some, you know, guys that are pretty passive. Like, the only Tony got a few dogs, you know what I mean? I will say Merciless, it took him a long time, but he's finally coming around. I like what I've seen in him all season. Yeah, yeah, I bet they're glad that they paid him last year. <laughs> you know, somebody else that, you know, this might be an unpopular opinion, but I, I think it's true. Either it's a, you know, scheme issue, we're not using them right, but Alfred Blue is just the king of two and a half, three and a half yards per carry. And he'll get you 100 yards, but it's going to take him 30 carries to get there. And I know we don't have a lot of alternatives outside of Polk and Grimes with Foster being hurt all the time, but I don't know. What's your opinion on uh, on Alfred Blue? Blue, you know, I like him. I like him. Uh, I think he has potential, but the thing that I heard about him, you know, he's not a real patient. He's not a real patient runner yet. And also... I feel like our old line they're not good for what we want to run. You know what I mean? I feel like yeah. they still have those zone, those zone blockers, and we need some power, power yeah. blockers up there. That is true. We still do have a lot of those, you know, Kubiak centric uh, linemen in place. When we need more of a, especially if you're going to have Blue in, he's the kind of guy that's going to be you know, a vertical runner, just straight up and down. He's not going to be the kind that can stretch the field and take a, you know, yeah, off-tackle run outside. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you got somebody like Foster who's a little bit more nimble. He's really good with his feet. 
You know, he's not the fastest guy, but he's quick. He can make people miss. Blue just isn't that kind of a runner. And we keep giving him those plays where he's running to the outside and outside the tackles and trying to stretch the field, and it's just not going to work. So I don't know why we haven't tried to correct that. Is it just, you know... Well, it all goes back to what I was saying. Like, we don't have the personnel for what we want to run. Like, if I... The the Texans, they're trying to run... They're trying to run the Patriots offense, but we don't have a Marine. We don't have a... Um, a Woodhead, we don't have Lewis, uh, yeah. a Deion Lewis, yeah, we don't have that. And that's what we keep falling short. We have no speed. Yeah, we got a lot of those power runners, you know, even like Polk and Grimes are just kind of those run it up the gut types, and yet we keep yeah. stretching them out. I don't even know how Grimes has a job still. <laughs> yeah, we. it seems like running back is the most is the deepest position we always fill. And, I mean, I guess in the league, it's constantly one of those positions that you have a lot of injury and turnover. But I don't understand how we employ so many damn running backs every year that are so unproductive. I don't know. Well, um, I remember I was texting with you yesterday about Ben Tate. I feel like, uh, well, you know, he got ran out of Cleveland, but it's because he was complaining about lack of touches and I understand that they paid him to be a number one back and then uh, you know from there he got bounced around to Minnesota and Pittsburgh and I mean he didn't do anything because I mean who can learn that many offenses in that short period of time but I feel like if he had came back here where he was comfortable even though it's a different scheme he knows that the line his line he probably would have you know been something nice and he was I, I liked Ben Tate better than Harry yeah I just like the way he ran, you know, power and speed. He was definitely a good okay. fix, you know, a good, good match for what we did. And Sometimes you see situations where, for whatever reason, a player leaves and they have no success outside. I mean, hell, look at Deion Branch with the Patriots. He leaves, doesn't do anything, comes back, he's immediately, you know, a, a productive player again. You know, the Giants just got Akeem Nix back. He didn't do anything for the Colts. You know, he bounced around in camps trying to make other teams and nobody wanted him, you know, but now he's back with the Giants. And I wouldn't be surprised at all if he thrived in their system just because sometimes players fit in a certain situation. Maybe it would have been the same with Tate. I don't know. But, you know, it's definitely better than what we've got now. I think offense, you know, people want to point out, of course, the defense is I'm not giving them a pass at all. They're underperforming drastically. But they're never put in a yeah. good position because of the offense. The offense is keeping the defense on the field for so long. They're never able to move the ball. I, at some point, we got to get more effective playmakers on our team. Yeah, definitely. I mean, yeah, we need speed. Like, if, I, if, if Bill O'Brien is still the coach after this season, and let's say they get rid of Rick Smith, hopefully they you know, come to their senses and let him go. But even if he's still here, I'm telling you, like the first three picks, they got to invest in speed, man. Like, I mean, if we can't, if we get a quarterback in the first round, get a fast one. Second round, mm-hmm. get a running back that can run and stay healthy. Third pick, they should get a another wide receiver. Because uh, I think DeAndre, he, he's going to be our number one, and I like strong. Um, our third receiver, I mean, we don't know if Shorts and Washington are still going to be here. Right, and those are definitely your journeyman receivers. I mean, those are going to be your third or fourth options, and they're, you know, playing pivotal roles in our offense this year. I just, I don't get it. But I will say last year, so last year the draft, or two years ago rather, sorry, first pick, second round, we're looking at who to take next. Derek Carr is sitting there available, and we pass on him. At the time, I thought that we would come to regret it. I thought that we stayed away from him just because of the name. You know, people would lose their shit if we had another car under center. Uh Obviously, hindsight is 20-20. He's looking to be, you know, one of the better, if not the best, young quarterback in the league right now. Looking back, how did you feel about Carr when we passed up on him? Yeah, I, I like I liked him. You know, the only knock on him coming out was uh, that uh, he didn't 
respond well from with pressure coming up the middle, but he had the strongest arm, and he had everything else going for him, but it was just uh, how he would do under pressure. But, yeah, I think it was his last name that hurt him. Also, they could have had Bridgewater if they traded up. I mean, yeah. it would only took, like, what, one extra pick to have traded up for Bridgewater. And he's balling pretty good, too. You know, uh, if you look on it, all the quarterbacks were pretty much passed on or doing their thing. Even freaking Manberger is decent compared to Savage. <laughs> right. I mean, I would have killed to have that. I mean, that's a big upgrade from what we've currently got. I don't know. I, and the, 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 the worrisome part is I don't think we're going to be bad enough to get a high pick to get somebody like Lynch or, you know, somebody high in the draft. But we're not going to be in a position where we can sign any free agents. I don't think anybody decent is going to be available. I don't see any potential trade partners. I haven't heard any of those names, you know. For so many years, Cousins was always a popular name that people were always just dreaming about trading for or, you know, Chase Daniel or even Mallet before we ended up getting him, and that was a whiff. But there doesn't seem to be any names that are popular right now as like, uh, oh, he's a really good backup. Somebody should try to trade for him. And Hoyer is definitely your stopgap position. You know, he's not going to be something that's a long-term option. He he shows signs too, but he's just so inconsistent. I, I'm I'm worried in all honesty about what we're going to do with the quarterback position. Yeah, that Lynch kid. I remember he's making a lot of noise, but I haven't I haven't watched him play yet, so I can't really make a judgment on that. But I mean, from what I heard, he's like big and strong and fast and got a good mm-hmm. arm. So I'm thinking maybe he's. He's like a better, well, not better, but like an Andrew Luck type of quarterback. I'm hearing he's pretty tall, like six seven. I heard. I think. Yeah, I heard he's a really big, uh, really big guy. So I mean, they've compared him at least on a size standpoint to to Roethlisberger. But as far as actual production, I know he had a decent game against Houston last week. Um, you know, they fell just short of winning that game, but. That's the thing, it doesn't, I mean, and I'm not as informed in college football as most others because, I mean, let's be honest, I really don't watch it. Uh, I just kind of stick to the pros, but I haven't heard any of the names that we've heard over the last couple of years, at least from the quarterback standpoint, um, and that that's what concerns me. I, and again, there are no free agents that really stand out as anybody that could be a viable long-term option. Um, you know, you look at somebody like Savage, he might not even be on the roster next year, Uh Whedon, I don't know what the hell we're doing signing Whedon. Did you hear we we claimed yeah. Whedon? I don't know what that's even about, you know. And then you've got Hoyer, Yates. Yates is going to be a career backup. And you know what? If we have him until he retires, I'm perfectly fine with that because he can come in and be somebody that can man the ship while the starter is getting healthy. But he's not a long-term starter quality uh, quality quarterback. So I don't know what the hell we're going to do. Foster, who knows if he'll be back next year? I like I like TJ, you know. I like him because he's the, uh, the history. Yeah? You know, he's done a, he's done a lot for us. And I I got confidence in, in him more than I do in Hoyer. And as far as, like, possible free agents, you know, I mean, RG3 might be available. I'd like you to see know, somebody I mean, give him a like chance. A change of scenery. Yeah, problem is though, somebody like uh, O'Brien, I can't see him taking a chance on somebody like that, you know, and sticking around just based on the fact that if he's not out by the end of the year, he's definitely going to be on the hot seat. We had Case Keenum, and again, not saying that he's a long-term option, but I think he's better than anything we've got right now. I think he definitely had the most upside, and we see that the Rams at least trust him enough to start him over Foles. Again, not a long-term option. I don't think he's somebody that can, you know, lead a, a contender. But I think he's definitely better than anything we've got right now. And based on what we've got right now, we've got a team that's a game under 500, tied for first place in one of the worst divisions of the last couple of years. We might luck into getting, uh, you know, a, a stronghold on the position just based on the fact that luck is out for a couple of weeks and. We don't know how long Hasselbeck will will stay afloat, but 
I mean, I don't know. I, I don't want people to get all excited, and I keep seeing all the stuff that, you know, posts of, oh, we're in first place. It's definitely, I mean, it's a fact. It's not false. We're tied for first. But I don't want people to get confused and think that we're a contender right now because I feel like we're very far from that, and we're not healthy. We don't have the right coaching and player personnel match. You know, it's not a good match. But, okay, you're you're McNair. You own the team. What's the first thing you're doing to fix things looking at the future? Mm, all right, if I'm McNair, this is what I would do. I, I would have to let go of Rick Smith. I think I would have to and maybe try to – I like Bill O'Brien, but maybe he he might have he might have been worn out his welcome already. Like, all right, if I'm in there, I'm on the side, like trying to get at like a, a, like a old school coach, like maybe like a Cowher or Gruden, like even though they say they don't want to coach anymore. Right. I feel like that's what this team needs. Like they need they need somebody that has nuts. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. You know, and I thought Bill O'Brien would be that guy, but he totally mismanaged the quarterback situation. See, beginning of the year, I say you start Mallet just to see what you have. Hoyer is exactly who we thought he would be. He's who we thought he'd be. But no, he's who we thought he'd be. You know, he's going to be your steady Eddie. He's not going to really kill you a whole lot, but he's not going to do a whole lot to save you. Uh, You know, try Mallet out, see what you've got. If he's a head case and he's terrible, which he was, then you bench him. Heck, cut him. But you got to give him chance first, I'd say, and then use Hoyer as the safety blanket. Now, he played this yeah. hopscotch back and forth, and I feel like he's really screwed with the head of the team. I don't know what the hell he was doing. Yeah, Bill O'Brien really shit the bed on that. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, they had opportunities. Somebody that watches the Cowboys closely, do you honestly think the Cowboys or the Texans would have been better off with Castle? Yeah, I think so. From what I saw from Castle, like, right, he already came in and he was like, man, I got, I got, I got picked up. But he wasn't scared to let it rip. Remember, he had a career game, I believe, uh, two weeks ago. The Philly game? He was game? letting them rip, throwing them touchdowns. Like, he was balling like he was the first straight quarterback. <laughs> Every time Hoyer makes a bad play, he's over there looking at the sideline, scared for his life. How did you feel about letting Fitz Magic go? <laughs> I like Fitzpatrick because he, you know, he had guts. You know, he had guts. Like he'll he'll try to take off on third, third and short to get that first down, and he'll get it for you. But his arm, man, was just it wasn't good. It just wasn't good enough. I think Fitzpatrick, I mean, again, he's not your long-term option, but I think he's definitely better than what we've got now. The biggest issue I have with him is he's not going to take a single chance at the end of the game. And I will give Hoyer credit in that regard. If it's third, I mean, I I remember the game last year, the Colts game, where, you know, we we were down, I think it was 24-0 or something ridiculous like that. We had that J.J. fumble recovery for a touchdown. We get the ball back. We're down by five. We've got like a minute to go. And I think Fitzpatrick, he was he was gun shy. He was afraid to let go of the ball. And he ended up getting strip sacked, and we lost the game because of that. You know, I, I'll say other players are going to be more, you know, like the Hoyers and the, uh, you know, even Yates are going to be a little bit more inclined to throw the ball in that situation. And no, we got to take a chance here, you know, but... I don't know. The situation isn't any better than it was last year. It's arguably worse, but I guess at the end of the day, we're still tied for first. So, I mean, we could only get better at this point. Yeah, I mean, yeah, definitely. I think the Texans gained a lot of confidence. 
And you never know. You might see them go on a roll. I, 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 I don't know how they're going to do against New England, but everybody else that stands in their way, I think they have a legitimate shot. Yeah, they still get the like, time. The only way they're going to the beat Jags. New England is if uh, Tom Brady throws like six picks. Because I think if he, even if he throws three picks, <laughs> he could, they'll still win, but maybe six. Yeah, yeah, that's the only way. <laughs> I don't know. We'll see. It's a long season. We're a little bit over the halfway mark. That bye week really seemed to help us out. you know. And we did beat an unbeaten team, so I will give us a little bit of credit for that. So hopefully that... I'll tell you this. I want to see how they do without uh, Edelman out there. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's, a, that's definitely a good... It's definitely a good question, a good point to raise. You know, I will say it's going to be hard for them to move the ball. He doesn't really have that, you know, check down option that he usually has with Edelman or even this year with Deion Lewis. But he's still Brady. He's still going to find a way. You know, Amendola, I feel like, is probably the toughest player outside of Edelman on that team. You know, because that guy just, he, he's, he always makes a big play. Now, Knock on wood for them, he hasn't been hurt this year. I don't know if they can handle any other injuries. And at the end of the day, they still have Gronk, but I don't think their offense is going to be as dominant as it was, obviously. I think that goes without saying, but I don't know. I still expect them to be the favorite, you know, at least right now, as it stands right now. But I, I think I said in the, in the podcast I did with Gary that I think this might be the year that we're looking at a team that wins the Super Bowl. It, it's not a very convincing, okay, that was the best team. You know, I, I still think people should be afraid of Pittsburgh, even with Le'Veon Bell being hurt. I think if they sneak yeah. into the playoffs, that's not somebody you want to mess with. And their defense started coming around. Big Ben breaks his foot and misses a game, you know. So that's a team that I would not want to face in the playoffs. Yeah, the Steelers, you can never really count them out. <clears throat> I don't, in my opinion, I don't think New England's going to win it. I, I feel like, you know, they'll run into some trouble, like, in the playoffs, when they get to play, like, some really, really good teams. But, but who are, who I, are I the got, good I got, teams, I got, I got Minnesota on my mind right now. I know your dad would like that. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, I got Minnesota on my mind. Yeah, they, they've got the formula right now. And, you know, say what you want about the passing offenses and this being a passer's league. You look at the teams that have won the last couple of years, you know, with the exception to the Patriots. I mean, those have been those smash mouth, you know, tough run, tough defense teams. You know, that's still, if you can do that well, it still goes a long way. You know, and people worry about, you know, Bridgewater being inexperienced or not making the big play. That was the same concern with Wilson, and he won in his second year. So they definitely have a chance. They've got that young, you know, kind of flop, you know, flocking defense. But they're going to have their tests. You know, they get Green Bay this week, and Green Bay is desperate. Uh, I know they get Seattle in a couple of weeks. So they're going to have their fair share of tests. I fully expect Minnesota to make the playoffs. But as far as if they're ready to take that next step, we'll find out definitely in the coming weeks. You know, at this point, if I had to take a guess at who the Super Bowl would be, you know, right now you'd have to say Arizona, New England, just based on now. But, you know, the season never plays out how you expect. And I still think Pittsburgh's going to be tough. I don't really buy Denver. I don't really buy Cincy. You can't buy Indy at this point. You know, and then looking in the NFC, you know, maybe Green Bay turns it around. If Seattle can make it into the playoffs, they'll look into, you know, some, some pretty big moments. But I would not be surprised at all if, you know, Super Bowl 50, we're looking at the final score you know, 23 to 17 or something like that, based on an Odell Beckham crazy fingertip catch in the end zone against the Patriots. I would not be surprised <laughs> at all if that oh, happened man, again. That would be awesome. <laughs> you just love seeing me miserable with that. Yeah, well, hey, I'm from New York, boy. You know I'm repping anything from Boston. I fully anticipate that happening, especially the way that that last game ended. I I would be shocked, basically, if it wasn't the Giants sneaking into the playoffs, 8-8, eight and eight, everybody saying, oh, they're going to be one and done, getting on a roll, their defense somehow remembering how to play, you know, Pierre-Paul dominating again with one hand, 
and then them beating the Patriots twenty three to seventeen or something. Oh man, that'd be beautiful. But uh, about Arizona, I like them, but man, it's been too many times they've come on strong and then fizzle out. Carson Palmer's healthy. We don't know how long that'll last. But right. he's healthy, so for now, you know, again, this is speaking today, you know, but, yeah, I mean, we'll see. It's it's a long season, and seven games left pretty much for everybody, so I'm excited to hey, see how it ends Don't forget about out. Carolina, too. Carolina, see, the way you feel about Arizona, I think, is how I feel about Carolina. I think they're going to finish 13-3 and or something really strong like that. But they'll, you know, run into trouble either with Arizona or Seattle or somebody who does what they do but does it a little bit better just for that week, you know? Yeah. But, uh, you know, it, it, it was pretty big that they held their own uh, against uh, Green Bay. Even though it was a close game, you know, at least it wasn't the blowout that uh, we're accustomed to seeing. But I don't know what's up with Rodgers this year. He's not... I guess it's maybe Jordy Nelson not being around, everybody's double-teaming Cobb. Yeah, I and you know, in the beginning of the year, I was saying, ah, it won't cost them much, they'll still make it deep in the playoffs, and they still very very well may do that. I think what it comes down to is when you come to the, you know, you're dead even with a team, and that it's going to cost them if they make it to the NFC Championship game. And the reason I say that is I think it's somebody like New England, that every year that Gronkowski was hurt, they're still able to make it all the way to the championship game, but missing that guy really costs you at the end. When you're looking at just teams that are dead even, any little loss like that is going to hold them back. So I think that's when it will cost them. As for now, you know, the receivers just aren't getting open, and he's trying to do too much, you know. And Lacey obviously isn't helping out by being – you know, the size of Gilbert Brown. But, God, I mean, but I, I expect them to turn it around. I don't know if they'll go to the Super Bowl, but, I mean, they're definitely going to be a force as long as they've got Rodgers. He's a little sloppy right now, but I'm pretty sure he'll turn it around. Yeah, I think right now it's it's, it's really hard to tell, man, because it's like a lot of parody this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the league, so I, you just gotta watch watch the games every week and see see how the standings look at the end. Cause I mean, they got teams that were in last place, they're in first place. Teams that's in first place, you know, third place. So we gotta see, cause anything can happen right now. Who you got this weekend's game? Houston versus the Jets. I like the Texans this time, uh, regardless who's quarterback and shit was. I don't know if it's Patrick's still hurt. Even if it's, if it's Gino, I expect us to blow him out. Oh, God. Gonna throw it up. And uh, Zebras can't cover everybody. Yeah. All right, well, good catching up, man. We'll get you on another time. I know you uh, definitely wanted to chime in on some of the topics we talked about with Antonio. Yeah, it's all good. You know, maybe, you know, this won't be the last time you hear my voice. So it's all good. <laughs> all right, man. Well, you take it easy, and we'll catch up with you soon. All right, bro. One.